From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you Unconquered with Doc Staples. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by EPR Creations, by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, by Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, by Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida, and by my newest advertising partner, Justin Galloway of Benchmark Mortgage. As always, information's in the show notes. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast with Doc Staples. Well, it is time for another preview, this time Florida State against uh, an FCS school. You know, sometimes you just got to play down a little bit. Florida State taking on Miami of Florida this week in uh, what once was a a, a massive rivalry game with with national implications. But, uh, well, you know, that was a, a different a different era an era of VHS tapes, not just VHS tapes where, you know, you might record a game in VHS and then come back and return to it. But I mean, the, the teams themselves traded, traded their film in VHS tapes. They, they had to mail them back and forth. I mean, I've, I've still got a few of the VHS tapes from my days, uh, you know, in those years. So yeah, I mean, those tapes are, what over 20 years old now, the ones that I have. And, um, <laughs> it's been that long since this was a rivalry with, uh, with national implications on both sides, but it still is a game that has national implications for, for, for Florida state. So very important that we still spend the time to break this down, despite Miami essentially moving down a level. And, uh, that, that is Miami of Florida. So we will, uh, we'll, we'll, we will be professional here and we will continue to, uh, to break this down like, like any normal game. <laughs> First thing to get out of the way is of course, you know, this, this game being in Tallahassee will be uh, it, it will be a very unfamiliar situation, very unfamiliar environment for, for Miami. I mean, that's a Miami team that is not used to playing in front of, in front of fans. Uh, and you know it'll be interesting to see how they respond to a game where there's it feels like there's more at stake when there's you know people actually in the stands interested in watching them uh that'll that'll be very interesting to to see uh they've they've not played a bunch in terms of on the road where they've had uh, uh this this kind of this kind of thing so obviously they they played at North Carolina lost 41-31 and then at NC State last week 20 to 6 uh both of those road games pretty hostile but neither of course uh Doke Campbell and then the home game against Texas A&M I mean A&M had a lot of a lot of fans there to help help fill that out so definitely something that you you know to keep an eye on in terms of how they respond to uh to that kind of environment which is is obviously very uh very different for a, a team and a program of that level but uh but yeah that's that that's that's sort of the first intangible thing to think about here of course you could make the case and you know I've seen some suggest it that there was some strategery going on in losing at NC State last week because had Miami one that game this this game this week probably would have been at, at eight o'clock instead of at three thirty. So maybe a little bit of um of strategery there from from Miami trying to really lay it on the line for what is clearly their Super Bowl this season uh, as they're taking on 
a, uh, a dominant to this point Florida State team. Now, we should get to the get beyond the the soft factors. Though again, Miami has been a soft program for quite a while. Uh, we'll get behind, we'll get past those soft factors uh, and get into the actual actual stuff that really does impact the game. I mean, I, I you all know that I've talked over the years about how I'm not really sold on a lot of these soft factors having a lot of of impact on games most of the time. Uh, I think most of the time when when you see home field and all of that, there there can be some impact in all of that. But when you have really good teams, when you have teams that have guys that are wired as as true competitors, actually road games can be a little bit of an advantage in some cases because there's nothing in the world more satisfying than shutting up a hostile environment. Nothing more satisfying than going in and and feeling the opposition and knowing that you, you you have a chance to shut those people up. There's some some players, some teams that just have that in them. And in those cases, those road games actually are fuel for the fire. So you just don't know how, how teams are going to respond to all of that. In any case, so far, the evidence for this Miami of Florida team is that the road is uh, is is considerably more difficult. Actually, this team, interestingly, has only played three road games so far this season at temple. Yeah, they won that 41 to seven at North Carolina again, lost by 10 and then at, at NC state and lost that game. So worthwhile that uh, worth noting that when there's been fans in the stands, they've had, they've had some trouble this year. Nevertheless, let's, let's get beyond that worth, uh, worth actually breaking down the game on the field. So, We'll start with the Miami offense against the Florida State defense. Been doing it this way most of the season. I think it's just been more interesting to put the FSU offense second in this discussion. So we'll talk we'll talk Miami offense. So first things first, this Miami offense has a very big and pretty physical offensive line. And they are they have built out a lot of what Mario Cristobal wants to be in terms of the type of team and the type of offense that he wants to run. And on the offensive interior, they're as good as anybody Florida State has played and one of the best teams in the country. So the, uh, they're buoyed by a couple of, of uh, transfers. Matt Lee at center, probably the best center in the ACC. Javion Cohen at left guard, is he's a legit player. And Inez Cooper, the sophomore right guard, also also pretty good. Uh, those three on the interior are are good at what they do. And, um, and yeah, they, they are solid across the board there. Then of course, they've got the five-star, uh, freshman, uh, Francis Maunoa, and he's a guy that in the long haul in in the long term, looks like he's going to be really good at right tackle, uh, still learning a little bit. He got, he got beat a couple times when I, when I watched him against North Carolina, when I watched the South, uh, when I watched the, uh, NC state game. He's still a freshman and, and still can be got, but he's going to be really good down the line. And then uh, Jalen Rivers, the the left tackle, is pretty good, but again, a guy that I think uh, you you feel like you've got some good matchups with with your with your edges there when you've got your starters on the field. So, you know, that's really the strength of this Miami team. And then they they pair those guys with Cam McCormick at tight end, who's you know not really been a uh, a major threat in the passing game, 
but he's 260 pounds. And what they want to do, they want to line up in that kind of that, that personnel with a big tight end, big offensive line and pound the football. The good thing is from Florida state's perspective is that their backs have been pretty average all season. So Henry Parrish, FSU's seen him before, a former Ole Miss transfer. He's a good player and, you know, a solid overall overall back. But at 5'10", 190 pounds, he's just, he doesn't break a ton of tackles. He'll, he'll give you a shake and get some yardage in the open field uh, when, when, you, when you get him some one-on-ones. He'll rip off some, you know, 5'10", yard plays here and there that are, that are really nice runs and are impressive. But he's not a threat to take off and, you know, change the scoreboard if you miss one tackle. He's a guy that, you know, if he gets in the open field, you're usually going to get 35 instead of 70. So, and that that's helpful because Florida State so far this season has has not actually been great in terms of stopping the chunk plays in the running game. That's been one of the few things that this Florida State defense has not done especially well this season. They've given up 41 runs over uh over 10 yards on the season and 15 over 20. So 41 over uh, over 10 is 59th and then uh, 15 over 20 puts them at let's see tied for 102nd in the country in you know chunk plays given up on the ground that's something that that this Florida State team needs to do better uh, for perspective Miami has given up 30 I believe let's see here yeah that's 30 30 runs of over 10 yards and five over 20. So that's top. Uh, that's that's number eighteen in in the one, in the first category. Number sixteen in the second. So sixteenth best in the country in terms of uh, twenty plus yards in the run avoid uh, uh, given up. So they've been pretty solid in terms of their overall run defense. We'll get to that in in just a little bit. But uh, but Florida State has given up some chunk plays in the run game, and and actually overall. If you were if you were going to look at where this FSU defense has been a little bit weaker, it's been against the run and especially against RPOs. And remember, by RPOs, I'm not talking about what a lot of people will call RPOs. That is zone read, you know, read option type stuff where the quarterback has a run option. I'm talking about with RPOs. Most RPOs are an option where the quarterback has the option to hand the ball off or to throw off in a bubble or some sort of quick screen on the outside. A lot of RPOs, though, now are. RPO with a seam or a glance route, that sort of thing, where you're reading uh, a conflict defender. That's that's your basic RPO stuff. And working through the numbers, Florida State has been absolutely dominant when working against non-RPO pass plays. They are the number one defense in the country against teams on non-RPO pass plays. So if teams are just dropping back play action or standard drop back Florida state's defense is the best in the country has been the best in the country all season. Been absolutely dominant against RPOs. They've only been good or really good. Actually not, not so dominant against RPOs. They've, they've given up some, some chunk plays in the running game and they've given up a much higher completion percentage and overall success rate. In the passing game, if you're going to have success against this Florida State defense, I think the 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 evidence is pretty strong that you're going to have to 
really run a lot of RPOs. You're going to have to have a lot of situations where you are, you're lining up to hand the ball off or to, if the, if you know, the right guy triggers to throw it to your option on the outside or a tight end or whatever, wherever your, your pass option is on that. If you're not doing one of those things, odds are this Florida state defense is going to do pretty well against you. Now the base running game without any RPO attached also not as good for Florida state as against, as against the, the pure pass. Now, other thing to, to note is that when Florida state has had their full, essentially starting lineup on the field. So that's Jared verse, Farmer, Fisk, Peyton, Tatum, Bethune, and Deloach up front. They've been much better against RPOs and and just more solid defensively overall. There's a significant difference between that group and when others start to to work their way in. Although uh, when Fabian Lovett's on the field, instead of one of Farmer or Fisk, it's basically non it's basically a negligible uh, switch out. But when you get Verse off the field or Verse and Peyton off the field or one of the backup backers in, there's been a pretty significant drop-off. And that's something that they're really trying to continue to work towards improving as the season goes along. So uh, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting in terms of where Florida State is at this stage of the season, partly because when you get into games where they're rivalry games or games against teams that you think can beat you, that you think have a better shot at beating you, you start getting into you know this kind of game, into the game at Florida in a, in a couple weeks, the ACC championship game, which now FSU has clinched. You know, provided they get there, the you know the the college football playoff. That's when you're going to start to see some of those rotations narrow up just a little bit because of well, the fact is Bethune and. Uh, Deloach have been better on the field than when anybody else is at backer. And by a good enough margin that if you're going against a team that is really good, they're just going to have to play a few more snaps. And so I do think you'll see that the, the rotation tighten up a little bit as the, uh, as the games get, as you get into the postseason this, this year. Now, one place where the, where the rotation will broaden a little bit is adding Daryl Jackson to the mix at, at defensive tackle come playoff time. You know, again, provided Florida State makes the playoff, you still have to win, you know, four more games to get there, which is non-trivial. There's a chance to that you could that you could lose three any one of those the, the three of those games. You're not losing to South Alabama, but given given where they're at, if you add Daryl Jackson to this defense, come playoff time, this defense takes on a whole different character. It's a whole different animal because of the things that he brings to the table as a guy who can wreck shop as a two gap type guy. And all of a sudden that makes you much, much harder to deal with in the running game and in terms of some of the RPO stuff. So this is going to be a scary team. If they can get through the remainder of the regular season and the ACC championship and get to that point, they're going to be even scarier than they've been because of what they've got at uh, coming at with, with Daryl Jackson as well. So, so yeah, there's been, uh, it's been interesting to sort of work through what what has given FSU trouble versus what they've been really dominant against. Now, the most concerning thing, I think, coming into this game is that Miami is a very RPO-dominant team. I mean, they run close to a third of their plays. If you watch their games, roughly a third of their plays are an RPO of some sort. They're trying to run the football 
and they're packaging that with some some RPOs to try to take some pressure off the run by by limiting how quickly you can trigger against it. That's what they're trying to do. And that is the one thing that Florida State's defense has not been quite as good at stopping this season compared to everything else. <laughs> so this is where this Miami team, in some respects, is maybe the most dangerous game Florida State's played in a while. Uh, I, I've, I've been kind of looking at this game and going, eh, you know, that Miami team... If they get everything together, if they do what they're supposed to do and they 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 play really great, that Miami team can beat Florida State because of some of these factors. They're really good up front on often on the offensive line. They run a ton of RPOs and RPOs are something that this Florida State defense has not been especially great at stopping compared to some of those other other things, you know, compared to non-RPO stuff. And they do have some players on the outside, you know, Jacoby George in particular is a guy that that can move, uh has some has some nice dynamism to him. Uh Restrepo is a guy that that finds ways to get open. And uh then you've got a, you know, big wide receiver in Colby Young. They've got some guys that can give you enough trouble to to be an issue. And again, doing all of that off of a very heavy RPO system makes you you know, eh, you know that's that's the matchup that that ideally you don't want to see quite as much with where Florida State has been so far this season. Now, I do think once they get Jackson down the line in the playoff, that that changes that math a little bit. So, just in terms of scheme and you know strength of teams, this is this Miami team brings in enough to make you go, okay, well, you know, you're going to have to give them your full attention. Nevertheless, you look at the fact that. This Miami team was only able to run for 3.37 yards per carry against North Carolina. And if you've watched North Carolina's defense, that's not a dominant defensive front at this point of the season. Really hasn't been most of the year. They averaged 3.72 yards per carry against NC State. 4.35 yards per carry against Virginia. The outlier here on the season for them and by the way, 3.21 yards per carry against Texas A&M. The outlier here on the season for them is 211 yards rushing for 5.55 yards per carry. Had a couple longer ones against Clemson. That that was that's really the outlier for them on the season. And again, that's a game they won that game against Clemson in double overtime. The same Clemson team that Florida State went to overtime with. So if Miami plays at their absolute best, and Florida State plays down just a little bit. Well, both teams are in the same range against Clemson. Now, obviously, Florida State at Clemson in a in a game that Clemson pulled out all the stops for. A little bit different. Clemson was pretty banged up, down a couple defensive linemen uh, against and and a, a key secondary player against Miami. So those are factors. But all that goes to say that if this Miami team does get it all together and and manage to execute really well. The things that they want to do, the things that they do best are things that that Florida State's going to have to be pretty careful about and concerned with. Again, the thing that I keep coming back to, okay, so good offensive line going to have going to, you know, be able to block Florida State in terms of defensive front better than most teams Florida State has played this year, if not everybody. The difference is 
they just I don't see them with the with those backs again. Parish, we were we were talking about Parish as a guy that's you know he'll get you thirty most of the time, but he's not going to get eighty most of the time. Then Mark Fletcher, a good back, but not again a super dynamic guy. AJ Allen is a guy that you, you do have to be conscious of. I think he is a guy that you know sixteen carries for fifty four yards against Clemson. Pretty decent there. 11 for 67 against Virginia. Showed a little bit of dynamism there. Did not play against NC State, and their running running game kind of cratered there without him. So I think he's a guy that if he's healthy enough to return uh, in this game, you, you kind of keep your eye on on him a little bit more. But uh, but yeah, I, I think the other guy is is a little bit. The other guy that you got to worry about is is Cheney. We've seen him plenty bigger back. I think in some ways he's, he might be the best back of the group, but again, not a guy to, uh, to bust it and take, take a play to the house. That's the thing that I think if you're Florida state, you're most worried about when you're playing a team that runs a lot of RPOs, runs a lot of runs the ball a lot is okay. Do they have a, a, a back who, if a safety misses a tackle here toward the line of scrimmage, who's going to take this to the house? Cause if so, that's been an issue for Florida state. If it's more of a back that, okay, well, you missed that tackle and then, you know, he's going to get 15, 20 yards. Well, you know, they can, they're, they're probably going to be able to tighten up and, and handle that. And I think Miami's more the latter. And and that's the thing that, that looking at this matchup, I see a Miami team that does a lot of things that, that Florida State is not quite as good at stopping, but doesn't do them quite as well as they probably are going to need to in order to, in order to beat Florida State. And one of the reasons for that is once you get into the passing game, if FSU gets them off schedule at all, if they run the football like they did against North Carolina, against NC State, against Texas A&M, against pretty much their whole FBS schedule, then they're going to be have, they're going to have to throw the football a good amount with Van Dyke. And thing is, Van Dyke has enough talent again if he happens to be on and suddenly just is hitting every throw and understanding what he's seeing and and hits all his reads, okay, now they're a really dangerous team. But that has not been the Tyler Van Dyke that we've seen the last few weeks. 11 interceptions on the season, and he's a guy that has had a lot of struggles in, in recent weeks. So you look at, he got banged up, going back to the uh, back to the UNC game, got banged up in that game, did not play against Clemson. That's the game that they won, interestingly. That's the game that they that they played the best in the in terms of running game and all of that. And then played again against Virginia, threw two picks, no no touchdowns, and then against uh, NC State, three picks, no touchdowns. He's been pretty generous sharing the football, and this is a team where if you can get them behind the sticks at all and you can get Van Dyke having to throw when they have to throw rather than on the RPO stuff. Now, all of a sudden the leverage tilts back and Florida state again is the best in the country in that situation defensively. And I think has some likelihood of, of creating some turnovers. And this is a, this is a Miami offensive line that will give up some pressure. As good as they are in the running game, they will give up pressure against the pass. And to me, one of the major points here, one of the major questions, the game within the game, as it were, is can Florida State, who's been pretty good at getting tackles for loss, 
get tackles for loss against this offensive line in the running game to get them off schedule enough to get them to throw the football down the field into situations where Van Dyke is potentially going to be exposed. Miami's top 10 in the country in fewest in the lowest percentage of tackles for loss per run play given up. And yeah, they, they don't give up a ton of, of, of tackles for loss against, uh, against their running game. And that's going to be really important for, uh, for Florida state to be able to get, you know, get stops and get it close enough, get Miami off schedule. But honestly, the other thing that, that can get Miami off schedule, and this is where I think this game ultimately is likely won or lost more than anywhere else is Florida state offensively needs to be able to, to have enough success early in the game to change the way that Miami has to call this game. So we're going to go ahead and flip over to that side of the ball now. And on the offensive side of the football, Florida State has some nice matchups here. It's a a pretty good Miami defense, and it's one of the best defensive fronts in the country. It's a a defensive front that will get after you. They're they're up toward the top of of the ACC and the nation, in terms of uh, a pressure rate, in terms of tackles for loss, they are 11th in the country in tackles for loss per game, 7.56. They're tied with Pitt, who Florida State played last week. Now, granted, FSU didn't give up a ton of tackles for loss against Pitt. And in terms of pass rush and in terms of pass protection, FSU was able to handle Pitt. I think they gave up what, three pressures or something like that on the day? If FSU protects Jordan Travis like they did against Pitt, and FSU is able to get that kind of time to throw to that set of wide receivers with Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson back out there against that secondary for Miami, well, you've got some advantages to take advantage of out there. And, you know, both corners, both Jaden Davis and Daryl Porter, uh, exited the the NC State game, got a little dinged up in that game. Uh, Davis apparently is is going to be a full go. Porter is a little bit a uh, little bit a little bit more dinged up, but they're going to have some opportunities against that set of receivers or that set of corners. Davis and Porter. Porter's a good good corner, by the way. Uh, but they're going to have some opportunities in one on one coverage against those guys to take advantage of of some matchups. Now they do have two. Big safeties, of course, Kinchins, preseason All-American at free safety. And then James Williams, who, enormous safety, 6'5", 215, you know, sort of a throwback in that respect. And Kinchins, 205, you know, plus pounds as well. Big safeties who are assets against the run. They will come up and hit you. But they've also given up some big plays. And so, you know, you this is a, this is a Miami defense that you can get big plays against. And it's a Miami defense that I think Florida State will have a little something extra for in that respect. Their their linebackers are pretty good. Cloyd uh, Maignoa and and Davis Demari Flag is uh, or Corey Flag, sorry, is the other uh, other primary guy that plays. Uh, Wesley Besaint, who FSU fans will remember from recruiting, is a backup there. Got three solid backers against the run. I think you can get some things against them in the pass. This is a game where I think the the tight ends in the passing game, uh, Bell in particular, 
are going to have some opportunities because Miami will come down hard against the run and they're going to get some opportunities against against those backers and I think I think they can potentially get some mismatches. This is not Clemson's linebackers that were able to sort of run with with uh with Bell step for step. This is closer to what you played against with Pitt, a little better than what you've got with Pitt, but uh but a little closer to that type of of defensive uh production at, at backer and type of body at backer. Uh, again, their front four excellent, and they've got some depth there. Uh, Leonard Taylor at defensive tackle, very good. Uh, Najalik Kelly, who FSU fans will remember very well from recruiting, also very good on the edge. He got a little dinged up a week ago, a week or two ago, and uh, he's a little nicked up, but but still really good player. And then Ruben Bain, who's technically not listed as a starter, at least not at the depth chart that I'm looking at right now, but he's been. It, to, for my mind, the most disruptive guy they've had. Uh, Bain has been really, really good. And uh, he's been a guy that that you're going to have to be conscious of when he's out there. But basically, if Florida State can protect, if they can handle things overall up front the way that they did against Pitt, then I think this is a this is a defensive line, a defensive front that's pretty comparable to what you played last week. I think they're a little better on the back end. I think overall, just a they're a, a tick better across the board than what Pitt is defensively in terms of per, uh, personnel. But the difference is you're not going out there without Wilson and and Keon Coleman. Those guys are those guys are difference makers. And you know if Jordan Travis is is throwing it the way that he did against Pitt with those guys out there, you're going to have a whole different a whole different situation. So to me. And this answers a little bit of the question that uh, Colby Maxwell asked. What would you do? He asked uh, in, in, via Patreon, what would you, what approach would you take to get the Florida State running game going this weekend? I know this will be very dependent on Keon and Johnny as well. Yes, it will be dependent on those guys. Because to me, this is a game where you come out and you're, re- you're ready and willing to run Jordan Travis early, get him on the move, and let him make some plays early in the run game. I think this is one of those games where getting him on the edge to slow down that that Miami front and and force people to basically commit themselves to him and to his legs early opens up a lot for you in the running game otherwise. So I think this is one of those games where you take the you take the bubble wrap off Travis early and you tell him to be safe, you tell him to get down when he can, get your yardage, get down, get out of bounds, that sort of thing. Tell him to be careful with with how he runs, but this is a game where you where you start to run him. And you start the game running him. And then once you've once you've got that going, I think the the rest of the offense starts to starts to click a little bit differently. And I, I think this is one of those games where maybe counter is not the go to as much. Uh, a couple teams have had a lot of success running inside zone against this Miami defense. You know, split zone, inside zone with some some quarterback read on that. Uh, I'd like to see some early inside zone just to see whether or not you can you can bully them a little bit up front. Because I mean they are good on on the defensive line, but they're not enormous, and uh, and I think you could you can potentially get some some looks straight up the gut on some of that, and you're really just telling your backs on that inside zone against Miami go a gap to a gap, and you know quarterback's going to read the edge, and if you can get your your guards on those on those ta- on their defensive tackles, I think there's space there. Uh, so I think this is a inside zone type game early with zone read stuff from the quarterback 
the more Travis's legs are involved early, I think that the more difficult that's going to be for Miami early. And then I think you can you can do some things sort of in the intermediate middle of the field against them, which is sort of funny because they've got those really good safeties. But I think you can you can go trips against them and use the number two guy in the trips the way that they like to cover that. They're going to if especially if you put Wilson and Keon Coleman and in the, on the same side, if you do that, let's say you go trips and you got Wilson out wide Coleman in this in the number two spot and then Bell at the number three spot. There's some things that I think Florida State will be able to do to get some really nice matchups on skinny posts, dagger concepts, that sort of thing, where the number two guy in particular on some of those skinnies, the way that they like to cover that, you're going to have leverage. I think this is a game where you can, you're going to get a couple opportunities to throw over the top on the post route. And I think this is a game where, again, that kind of dagger concept where you run the inside guy on a seam and then the outside guy on a on a basic or a square in there you're going to get that uh you're going to get some of those that'll come open nicely against against their particular type of coverage partly because I think those backers are are not especially great in terms of where they drop so you can get some you can get some stuff against them on the inside of the field uh and that pairs nicely with some of the the play action stuff that you can do off that inside zone I think this is a team you can RPO, a lot of those different things. Florida State's going to have some options here. Uh, main thing is that they have, to be, they have to maintain balance, and I think they're going to be able to maintain balance as long as Jordan Travis is turned loose really more fully in this game. And, and I think this is going to be one of those games where, keep in mind, they've got a bunch of you know high-level wide receiver recruits from this class and next class that they're wanting to showcase this game on. And history has shown that when Mike Norvell circles a game for wide receiver recruits to visit, you're going to see some, you're going to see the top receivers on the roster put up some really good numbers. So, you know, if you're one of those people that likes to do the whole like daily fantasy type thing where, you know, you pick the, pick the players for yardage or whatever. This might be a good week to take a look at the numbers, uh, the the yardage numbers available for Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, each of whom, you know, were, they, they were held out last week and each of whom is uh, nice and fresh coming into this game for a contest where again, Norvell and that offensive staff are going to want those guys to show out in front of the potential recruits where they can point to those guys and go, look, offense made for playmakers can you see yourself doing the same thing look at this look at look at what we make you look like in terms of uh in terms of nfl prospects and and you know showing what you're able to do in you know with the lights on and 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 uh everybody watching so this is one of those games where i think you're going to see you're going to see pretty pretty high passing numbers in this game main thing florida state's going to have to do in the process of that is stay balanced enough but i i think they'll be balanced enough I think they'll be able to do enough against this Miami front, but I think you're going to see, you know, Jordan Travis throw for 300 plus yards in this game and both Wilson and Coleman have pretty solid games against that Miami secondary. And it's a good secondary, but they're, they, they are going to be able to find some space, especially on the inside in that intermediate area. And I think you're going to see a couple of uh, skinny post type plays that, that Florida state's going to take some, some seam shots in there and then they're going to set up you know some post climb and and other types of over the top post stuff against what Miami likes to do and those safeties get aggressive those backers get aggressive and then all of a sudden you've got a chance to hit them over the top now Miami at other times will go light box 
And when they go light box, you've got to be able to hit them right between the right between the tackles, hit them right up the a gap, hit them between the teeth there. This is going to be an opportunity for that interior line for Florida State to play well. They need to they need to play well in this game to to have the outing that they that they should. That said, I do think it is a little bit more boom and bust against this Miami secondary, and that's why you have to be balanced in this game because you know even uh even even good passing offenses have struggled to be really consistent in terms of completion percentage and and success rate in the passing game against Miami uh, against Miami secondary and the and the pass rush pressure that they're able to bring. You don't expect to be able to throw for a super high percentage against them, but you do feel like you can hit some big plays. And that's really where I think FSU is going to focus in this game. Run the football, a lot of inside zone, run some some of your other base run plays, uh, try to take advantage of Jordan Travis's legs, and then you pick your spots and you get big chunk plays in the passing game. And like I said, I think there's going to be opportunities for really the, the key guys, the four key guys, and that is... Uh, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell, and Kyle Morlock, all four of those guys have some matchups that you like in this game. And Bell in particular is one that er, in the early going, uh, once you get get their defensive line moving and doing some things, you know, you get some outside zone type action, that sort of thing. They flow really heavily. If you do, you know, that sort of thing and then get those little slips out out of the backfield off of the... uh, off of the split zone action, uh, some of the the little screen stuff that Florida State does to the tight ends. There's some real opportunities against this defense with how they play to to be able to get some yardage there uh, in the passing game as well. Again, this is not a possession passing type game against this defense, but I do think you can hit some big plays down the field against them, and and I think that's going to be Florida State's approach. So where does that leave us then in terms of what to expect in this game? Honestly, I think this is a pretty scary game for Florida State. There's enough that Miami does that matches just wrong against some of the stuff that FSU isn't quite as good at. Uh, And Miami has enough talent on both sides of the ball to be able to match up player for player pretty well with Florida State. But Miami is not nearly as well coached. And I think overall FSU has the playmakers, the key playmakers, the kind of guys that change the scoreboard that Miami doesn't. Miami does not have a Keon Coleman. They do not have a Johnny Wilson. They don't have a, a, a Benson. They don't have a Trey Benson and they don't have a Johnny or they don't have a, uh, a Jordan Travis. Defensively, they match up pretty well player for player. But again, Florida State has a couple guys that are difference makers that Miami just doesn't. And I think that should be the difference in the game. But this is going to be a very motivated Miami team, which, you know, Miami is, is one of those teams where you don't know whether you're going to get a motivated one or a, an unmotivated one half the time. I think Florida State's going to get the fully, fully invested Miami team. And that's going to make it really important for Florida State to get out to a pretty good start in this game. The, and this is one where if you're Mike Norvell, what you're trying to do, you're trying to come out and I can tell you right now, they're going to have some extra powder dry and ready for this game. This is one of those games that they've been, they've circled a little bit. They know that this is a rivalry game. They know that this is one of those teams that has enough talent to beat them. So this is one of those games where they're going to have a few extra wrinkles that they haven't shown in a while and that they've been setting up for the last couple of weeks. 
if you're Mike Norvell, if I'm Mike Norvell, I'm pulling some of that stuff out in the first quarter. Because I want to leave that first quarter up 10, up 14 points. I want to get into the second quarter and for that to be, you know, 24 to 10, 24 to 7, mid-second quarter. And now you're in control of the game. And if you can get in control of the game against this Miami team in that in that kind of environment early on, then you could potentially run away from this team. This is a team Florida State can beat 45 to 10, you know, 52 to 3. That sort of that sort of game. You absolutely can beat this team that way. But this Miami team can also beat you. They've got enough firepower and they've got they're strong enough, they're good enough on the on each of the each of the lines. They're strong enough on the line of scrimmage to be able to go blow for blow with you through a, a good portion of the game if you do not come out and execute and have your big play players make some big plays. You don't want to get deep into the third quarter with this game 21 to 17. You don't want to to be in a position where they're able to run and and run all their RPO stuff and do their normal stuff through, you know, into the early fourth quarter, into the mid fourth quarter. This is a this is a team you've got to go in there, start well, and this is a team that might quit on you. This is a Miami team that might quit. They did last year. And this year they've quit in a couple other games. This is a team where if you can get up on them early, they might quit on you. So you take you take some opportunities to get those shots and you put those you put those in the end zone early. You bring some pressure early against the running game to force them into some long yardage, get a couple three and outs early, and all of a sudden that game can turn. But if you don't do that, this Miami team can beat Florida State, you know, something, say, 34 to 31, that kind of game. Entirely possible. They can, they can play that game. And again, with Van Dyke, sometimes when you watch him sling it, and some of the throws he made against North Carolina, when they scored 31 against North Carolina, some of the throws he made in that game were absolute dimes. And some of the stuff that they do in terms of the of their route concepts and all that. They run a lot of switch concepts. They, they like to go with, uh, with trips like trips boundary and, you know, run number run number three on a wheel to try to force you to have to either switch that correctly or to run through traffic. And you're going to get a wide open guy up the field. They do a lot of that sort of stuff to, to force you to match correctly and put a lot of demands on your communication in the secondary. So that's something Florida state's going to have to be really good at in this game. But I think they'll, I think FSU has been better at that this year, and I think they'll be able to, to handle that. But again, Van Dyke is capable of, of really throwing some dimes like he did against North Carolina. And then, well, through a couple really key INTs, too. So, uh, and, and that's, that's the thing you have, to, you have to really take into account with Van Dyke thing with him most of the ints that he throws are ints where he doesn't recognize where underneath coverage is coming from he doesn't see the underneath coverage so recognizing that is something that adam fuller ideally takes into account here you want to have your backers really active working up underneath some stuff and you're you're kind of waiting for him to throw to some of that underneath coverage if you change up your coverage you run some trap stuff you do some of those things. You bring pressure from one spot and you drop a guy into a, in, into a different lane. 
Van Dyke will sometimes just throw blindly without recognizing that there's underneath coverage there. And that's where you get him. That's where a lot of his, his real errors come in. That's, that's the sort of thing that, that he had problems with against NC State as well, throwing three interceptions. So you can get some opportunities there. But this is, this is a dangerous game. This is an absolutely dangerous game. I do think Florida State will be prepared for this. Again, I think the decision to have a very fresh Keon Coleman and a fresh Johnny Wilson for this one, I think that ultimately is the difference in the game. And I think the, the Miami team that has, that has averaged 5.1 yards per play against Clemson, 4.93 against Virginia, 4.17 against North Carolina State, I think they'll probably come a little bit better against, against Florida State. But I don't think they're going to be averaging six, six and a half yards of play. So I think you're looking at, at somewhere in the, in the five yards per play range for Miami, somewhere in the, you know, 20, 17 to 21 points area for Miami. And I think Florida State's going to be able to score, score some points on some big plays against Miami's defense. I think there's some big plays to be had. And you're going to need to be patient. You've got to, you've gotten Florida state's going to have to stay balanced, but I think there's some big plays to be had there, especially with Jordan Travis using his legs on the ground uh, and using his legs to create some things in the passing game as well. You know, running to pass, scrambling to pass. So I'm going to go with Florida state winning this game. I'm going to go with 80% odds, which is lower than you'd like in this game and go with 80% odds. Uh, and I'm going to go with Florida State winning this winning this game, 38 to 17. I think I think it may be closer than that final score actually suggests, but I think this is going to be a real interesting one. And like I said, this is one Florida State Mike Norvell. If he gets the opportunity, this is one he will run up the score. This is one where he will take the opportunity to get the extra yards and show out just a little bit extra in this game. He's not going to take his foot off the pedal in this game. But I think this is going to be a, a little bit of a hard-fought game early on. And then I think the, the the playmakers ultimately are the difference in this game as FSU ultimately pulls away from yet another FCS opponent and, uh, and moves on to face another FCS opponent the following week in South Alabama. That'll do it for us here. Talk to you again after the game. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts and wherever else you listen to podcasts, post and repost episodes on social media, and tell a friend. And if you haven't left a review in a while, do it again. It really does help the visibility of the podcast. Before we go, I'd also like to thank my advertising partners once more. That's EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida, and Justin Galloway of Benchmark Mortgage, serving Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. You can also stop by the Unconquered shop at unconqueredpodcast.com where you can buy stickers, pins, magnets, t-shirts, and other swag. And thanks also to all those supporters over at Patreon where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast. I am especially grateful 
to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Neil Cook, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Dave Blair, Hector Cartagena, Jack Horton, Jimmy Van, Jonathan Kennedy, Keith Cheney, Lee Caswell, Tyler Kashishke, Vince Calandra, and Burt Bertoldi. You all are far more generous than I deserve. I'm really grateful. Thanks to you all. This has been Unconquered with Doc Staples. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I made this.